Hello, my name's Dr. Rathika Marsh and I am your host of the Spiritual Psychologist podcast. We are on season five and I have been excited to kind of launch into a bigger season. Um, this season is all about our addictions and how we heal from addictions. So in this season, I have I have been speaking to various people who have had their own struggles with addiction and about their journeys with that and they all give their own perspectives on what has supported them to heal from those addictions whether that's related to drugs alcohol food work social media everybody has i guess their own perspective on what has supported them and in this season i want to share all of that goodness with you so that you can learn from it whether you are thinking about yourself and your own addictions or whether you are supporting loved ones with their addictions so let's get going into this first episode and i cannot sh- wait to share such great juiciness from these episodes that i have recorded for you so enjoy this whole season make sure that you tag and share these episodes on your social media so that we bring that awareness and knowledge to other people in need of healing out there. Welcome back everyone. We're on season 5 and season <laughs> 5 <laughs> is all about healing from our addictions and I'm so blessed to invite my beautiful friend, Will Burton, who I actually met not that long ago, but we are definitely soul family, soul tribe. There's such a loving, beautiful connection between us. And I thought of Will straight away for this season. In fact, you suggested it and then it, and then it, um, and then regretted it. And then it and then it inspired this whole season. So thank you so much. I'm just going to tell you a little bit a bit about Will. So Will is a yoga instructor, a myofacial release massage specialist, and a movement coach. And he was formerly a Buddhist and mindfulness coach. Now the definitive movement therapist and. Yeah, I wanted to invite you on to this podcast season because I know that you've had your own journey with addiction and a question that I wanted to start off the podcast with is what does addiction mean to you? What does addiction mean to me? Firstly, thank you so much for inviting me on and and we are you are someone that's very close to me. I think I think for you, Dr. Rathika. It's funny, it feels funny calling you by your full title. But for you, Dr. Attica, it's, um, you know, you're someone that, that I just find really, uh, that, that you can just trust and you feel open to, 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 to share intimately with, share, share your shortcomings, share your failings, as well as, as your aspirations and your hopes and your dreams. And I feel like, you know, like some people you, you, you immediately build that trust up with. And, and for me, in terms of who I want to surround myself with, I want to surround myself with people who I can be free to be me. Yes, I'm not absolutely. Like a pretend me or, or like have the masks or, you know, like like the put on the posh voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you need to have someone around you that you can trust and, and, and be vulnerable. I feel like that. And I feel like you, as a friend, you, you we, we share that vulnerability. Yeah, we do. It's a re- it really mm. is a, a rarity. It is. And mm. there's just sometimes people that you have that click with. And it's, it's beautiful having a female-male relationship that feels um, really safe, and yeah, it's definitely a rare, a rare find. So we yeah. appreciate we appreciate each other a lot. I think. 
Yeah, and then like when you're navigating the path, you know, you're working on personal development and things, it's important you have friends beside you that have similar interests, similar aspirations, following a similar purpose and stuff, because that builds that support and it almost reinforces what you're doing and and, and reassures you because you know like especially when I was early on the path you know like like when I really had this big change of of lifestyle and things I was like Bambi on ice (laughs) like like, like, really unsure every step I'd take it'd be the legs would be falling apart and I'd be riddled with self-doubt and I'd be hyper hyper sensitive Mm. to a way that was um that was actually quite shut off from the world, I think. I feel like, I felt like, on reflection, I felt like the world was quite a dangerous place and I didn't trust myself anymore, especially when I come out of addiction into recovery, you know, and and I needed people around me that could love me until I could love myself. Ah, yes. And that reassuring in in trust of of good, supportive friends is Mm. really important when you're on any recovery path. You know, people yes. that, that you can say, look, I'm having a bad day. Like when I give up drugs, Dr. Rathika, I'm going to call, continue to call you Dr. You Rathika. You can call me Dr. Rathika. I feel yeah, like I yeah. don't use that title enough. <laughs> and and, and, and Dr. Rathika. And I think f- for me, it's like, um, I needed that bond and that, that, that trust to show me how to live life clean. Mm. Um, there's so like straight away here like one of the thing key things that comes up around recovery of any kind of trauma or healing from emotional wounds is safe relationships like mm-hmm. it's just something safe connections like that is something that just comes up again and again and again and you know what research shows is that, you know, there's people that kind of go through similar things as somebody else, right? You can you can have two people going through similar things. It's never the same story, but you can have similar things going on. And those people who have those key, like, safe healing connections and relationships, you know, you're more likely to recover. You're more likely to... Mm-hmm thrive that's one of the factors there's lots of other factors but you know those safe relationships are so important yeah and it's like like even this morning I've, I've, I'm lucky enough that I've got real supportive friends around me and on one of my friends he's a HGV driver mm-hmm. and but he's just here he just gets me and, and we can be incredibly vulnerable and we can talk intimately about what's going on for us as men you know like like that's an important thing that we we still remain masculine because as, as yes. me as a guy, sometimes I don't want to become overwhelmed with feelings because my addiction can play out in that way. So what does addiction mean to me? Okay, mm. so obviously for me as a recovering drug addict, I used to take lots of drugs. I'm now absent from everything. So I don't drink, I don't smoke pot, I don't um, take any illicit substances. I'll be incredibly vigilant around what the doctor gives me and and and... So for me as a, a, a recovering drug addict, what addiction means to me is is I did drugs obsessively. This is what separates me from someone that just smokes a bit of pot or just drinks. Mm-hmm. I did drugs obsessively in a way that was causing me harm, but I was powerless to stop it. Yes. And what I mean by that is is is... We all, everyone who takes drugs or drinks too much wakes up with that hangover feeling and the next day they go, I'm never going to do that again. Mm. You know, and, and, and a lot of people take positive action in that. But for me, for some reason, my, the way that I drunk and the way that I used drugs defied all rationale. Mm. You know, like my friends would go home on a Sunday night and go and do the job again on Monday morning and I'd be still going well into the week. I just didn't have that ability to stop, mm. even though internally I was dying. Yes. Like myself, I was full of shame. I was full of remorse. I was full of guilt. The relationships I had in my life at the time were toxic. I was a drain on my family. and But for some reason, I wasn't able to stop. Mm. And the reason why I wasn't able to stop is because 
every time I come to that place of, of abandonment, that place of inner grief, I'd had enough desperation, the same thinking that got me into the problem in the first place went to a new level of bullshit. <laughs> You know, like, like, like it then said, okay, so I'm in this real, well, here's a great idea for you, Will. Here's a great idea for you. The way that you're going to get out of this latest problem that you're in, you know, like if you've got drug dealers knocking on your doors or you've been threatened to be killed. That's where my addiction got me to in the end, or you've been kicked out by another landlord or, mm. or, or, or another member of your family has disowned you and, you know, um, and the way I used to do that in that place is, I've got a great idea. I've got mm. a great idea. And I'd always have a great idea. Was the so, great idea, was, was the great idea that you had, was it harmful? No, it was, it was just ludicrous. Okay. I used to think the, right, the way that I'm going to get out of this latest problem is, me and my friends are going to go steal loads of drugs. And okay. then that will, that will then get, take me into rehab. We had that idea once where we stole suitcases of cannabis, me and my friends, to get me into rehab. You know, that, that was mm. the absolute idea. Or I remember one time it's like... I, it's, I, I, it's ludicrous, but it's uh, desperation, isn't it? It's desperation to, to get, get help. Yeah. And I think the point is it defies rationale that's the point that I'm getting to my best thinking around my addiction and what happened to me defied rationale. That's where people often get confused is we want to diagnose the addiction. Yes. We want to know why we're doing it. And that's the point that I'm really trying to make is the point isn't not why you're doing it because it's like, a, like in a magician's cup, you know, like when they have three cups at, at, on the table and they go, which one is the ball under? And every time you bamboozle, then you go, it's under that one, definitely that one. And then you go, Nope. <laughs> and that's what, what what it was like trying to chase my addiction and trying to yeah. remedy it and figure it out until the point is the best thing that I ever said was I've run out of ideas. So you surrendered. I surrendered. Hmm. And then I become really open to this new way of living. It's the point for me that people quite often miss mm -hmm. is we always want to diagnose the problem and we spend so long looking to diagnose the problem when we miss actually all this beautiful opportunity to look towards the solution. Because mm -hmm. I was never going to figure out why I was a drug addict. I used to go to psychologists and used to used to blame my mum for loving me too much. I used to blame my mum for hating me too much. I used mm -hmm. to I used to blame like like the different type of drugs. I used to blame my my, my partner at the time. It was where I was living, and it was always something external. Mm. But really what I needed to do was take ownership of what am I going to do about this problem? When you were younger, did you have addictive kind of traits or things that you felt addicted to before the world of alcohol and drugs became available? 100%. I was just different from all my friends. I remember like, like, and I really look at kids, you know, I only see them nowadays, like 10, 11 and they're smoking or they're doing a vape. And I, you look at them with real profound pity really mm. you know and, and and I was that kid but I always remember like my friends like like taking one cigarette and going oh I'm never going to do that again but suddenly for some reason within me I'd smoke the whole packet <laughs> and it was like mm -hmm. just it, 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 it was never right there was a, always a short circuit you know there, there was for some reason in my thinking there's just a glitch in the matrix was it and when you did that was there um was it like a, I need to go all in or forget it? Do you know what I mean? Or was it like, was it like, I'm really enjoying this, so I want to carry on? No, I don't think the enjoyment was even there either. It was, it was literally a compulsion. Okay. And I feel like me, I've always given away this, this real, like, like um, persona of being incredibly confident and... Mm. And taking ownership of, of me. And I think underneath it, I've always had this deep level of in, insecurity and stuff. And, and especially when I got to teenage years and stuff, like I was I was expelled from high school because of my date behaviour. And I remember just, just this 
overwhelming feeling of shame. Because mm. I was an incredibly bright, intelligent young man. And and I remember there was a, I was surrounded by real beautiful people. And these friends that I was with, they could take ecstasy like we did. And they could do the cannabis. But for some reason, for me, it always just leave me in this place of just abstract self-loathing you know mm. i remember like just just being there i've been expelled from high school and relationships weren't good at home because of my drug use and behavior and even relationships now with my friends weren't good because i was going to a different yes. level stuff. and i just i remember just having this 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 absolute self-loathing and shame where it was like mm. you know so so but my point was in order for me to recover from that Let's have a look at it, yes. But let's not overly become concerned with, have I got a moral deficiency? <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. Am, am, am I values wrong? You know, where am I not aligned? Have I got um, a particular mental illness, ADHD? You know, all yeah, these labels yeah. come across, which for me, in order for me to recover, I had to break through that mm. and just understand that, that for me was like, like, I just have whatever I know is within me is an innate compulsion mm-hmm. that when I put the first one in, something happens that, that I don't have that power to stop. Mm-hmm. I remember one great idea of mine was it was the, it was just, it was like the year before I got clean. I got clean in 2013 and I haven't had a drug or a drink since. And wow. the way that I got clean is I, give up everything and and, 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 I, and I went off to a different country and then I went to, to a, a Buddhist community and then I went to a rehab and then I started doing the 12 steps. But the year before this, and it was like, I love sport. I've always loved sport. You know, like I love watching it on telly. I love playing sport. You know, I, I, lo- I love everything about it. Anyway, so it's the London 2012 Olympics. And my idea was is that I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to get a couple of crates of extra strong lager mm-hmm. for the whole Olympics. I'm going to lock the door. No friends are coming around because it's their fault, not mine. <laughs> you know? And I'm going to take lots of valid- Valium. And, and this is me for a week. You know? mm. and, 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 it, and unfortunately, come the closing ceremony, I was back in the pub and then back again doing the things. You know, like, And I, a lot of the time as well, I was a functioning addict. You know what I mean? I was a yes. young man party I could work and mm. you know like like underneath all the extremities it was how I was inside it was my relationship with me yes you know? well I just I'm just interested to know like how old were you when you when that addiction started and how long did it go on for so for me the addiction has always been there you know it's mm-hmm. it's, it's part of me it's it's my attitude towards um my attitude towards anything, you know, the way that I define addiction is, is doing something obsessively and compulsively, knowing that it's causing me harm. Yes. Doing something obsessively and compulsively, yet knowing, and which is insane, isn't it? You know, when you word it like that, mm. like I do it now today with my social media. Yes. I've, just, I've recently given up social media and I feel so great for it. Mm. I, I, and I've spent two years or three years contemplating it and having those conversations with people where oh like Instagram just doesn't do it for me anymore and like like I find it really drained and stuff and mm-hmm. that's been for me I see that now with all the work that I've done on myself that's been three years of contemplation yes where I've been contemplating it and I've been working through it and I've been trying to find a formula to, to make Instagram work mm-hmm. okay I'll stop using it until the afternoon and then I'll turn it mm-hmm. off before <laughs> and, you know I mean? all that sort of stuff the same way that I managed my drug of choice yes yeah the same drug and stimulus that I put into social media it was the same thing and I could see it very clear mm-hmm. and this is where I Dr. Rathika I'm incredibly blessed to have, 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 have worked through those those real dark, mm. you know, like, like and we can't compare, like, like I said, it's got similarities between other addictions and how they formulate. Absolutely, you know, like that addictive personality completely. But we can't compare the abject misery of overeating cheese 
to like, yes. you know, like, 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 like to, to the sense of just complete self-hatred that comes through drug addiction mm. and mm. the dereliction that comes because of that. And you don't need to be a junkie on the street to do that. I know loads of my friends that take cannabis and they use it too much in a way that's so destructive of the life and cocaine and other sorts of things, you know? I just want to come back to this like thing that you said about functioning because like, I think this is a massive, a massive, uh, not issue, yeah, an issue, a massive issue in our society that like, you know, there's this sort of thing that, well, I'm going to work, I'm functioning, you know, and so therefore like, it's okay. So it's almost like a a plaster or, you know, if you're, if you're, I, the way that I see it is that any addiction is a sign of unhealed emotional wounds. That's how I view it. And I know that you're, the way that you've understood your addiction, which is really helpful, I'm sure it'll be really helpful for others as well, is, is what you said about that, having that compulsion but there's just so much, there's so much addiction, isn't there, that's functioning, like functioning alcoholics where you're drinking every day, but you're not drinking loads, you know, or, you know, you're smoking weed every day, but it's like, you know, oh, well, you know, it's sort of, it's okay, I can still get to uni or whatever it is, right? And it's, you know, it's, you're still, you, you're still, I guess it's that thing of having a need isn't it a need to to get through the day mm. and yeah this is another level isn't it like your the addiction you're talking about is extreme isn't it mm. and i think for me it's like that's, that's why i'm always vigilant i'm vigilant now about like how i my attitude towards sex mm-hmm. so i'm very well aware it's like i, I was never short of women's company back in the day you know what I mean and if I wanted to I'm sure I I wouldn't be short now and but however my attitude is changed towards sex because I I see it in a different light you know like I know what happens when I'm in that obsessive and 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 compulsive mindset about achieving Mm -hmm. relationships with with us we won't get into all that you know like like, but my, my, my point is is like 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 People need to be aware. And, and where I see that people go wrong with addiction is two things. Not taking responsibility. Mm. And and where that is developed, so so I'm, I'm blaming other people for my internal condition. Mm. Or I'm seeking validation from other people. And it was described to me by this really fabulous friend of mine, Dom Dakin, who's just beautiful. I love him. You know, like, he says, Will, point one finger at someone else and, and, and tell them it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And actually what happens is, is you, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling yes. myself three times and, and that's something that's always resonated with me. Before yeah. when I'm very quick to anger and, and, and look for something like I'm deeply unhappy right now, it's incredibly Buddhist almost. Like I'm deeply unhappy right now because I haven't got a girlfriend or, or my, 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 whatever my job is I'm dissatisfied with my job or I don't like my car and it's the car's problem you know what I mean or, mm-hmm. or it's the government's problem because now fuel's now 140 a litre instead of 110 it was a couple of months ago you know what I mean and, and it's all the time it's looking out there and blaming people for my internal condition so if I want to heal mm. I've got to take responsibility I've got to stop shifting my addictions and the reason the impulse for why I'm behaving in this way is onto other people, situations or things, okay? The second one where we develop that further is, is once you've had that realisation, is you then need to t- create discipline. And we all want a loophole. We all want a loophole, man. We all want to just, like, I want to get maximum results with minimum effort. Yes. You know, like, like, like like you look at Instagram and it's all about that, you know. Like, like you want a six pack in two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying for four years and I haven't got a grid like that, you know. Like it's 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 really yes, you know. So, so discipline, and for mm. me, you know, like for me, my discipline 
especially when I, I first got sober, was I practiced a lot of Buddhism. I went and lived in monasteries and I went and I was a seeker then. I realized actually there's a deeper truth that I was looking for, mm. you know, and this is where I, I think when I got clean, I had so many bad habits. <laughs> I'd smoke and I'd drink and I'd, and I'd drink coffee to excess and I'd have Red Bull to excess. Everything was excess mm. other than putting a substance in me. So then what I realized was, it was, well, you have so many bad habits. Mm-hmm. And I understood that that is my nature. I, I still need to fill this uncomfortableness with something. And that's really cool. But I realized, you really have so many bad habits. that, And that's your behavior is to be addictive and to be habitual. So let's make a habit of getting good habits. Yes. <laughs> so then I something that was good for me. And I thought this will be rich to support my personal journey right now meditation, exercise, you know, study. You can't override study. You know, like go mm. and get a book, know the subject, school mm-hmm. yourself in it. So then I really got into a habit of just feeding my soul in a different way. And it was I stopped, How- that. I stopped fighting the addiction and my, my own tendency and I made friends with it and, and I used it instead of a way for bad in a way for good. So I used my, my ability to... To, mm. to socialize and to, 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 to really make friends quickly and, and all the things that were useful for me when I was drinking and using into to really positive outlets, to, to, to find quality friendships, people on the spiritual path, to seek truth. You know, like, like if I wanted to seek, the way that I seen it is all the impetus that I used to get into finding ways and means to buy drugs, I want to find all their ways and means into how to recover, how to, yes. to work on those limitations and those limited mindsets and that profound guilt and remorse that you come when you, you sober up, man. It was like, I was incredibly confident. And then I woke up one day and, and for some reason I couldn't get a bus. So you went through like years and years of being totally undisciplined, right? So you just ha- do everything to excess. You were addicted, right? So how did you make that shift from a total lack of discipline to being so disciplined to not be, to not now have used substances for like eight years? Like how, like what? created that shift because it's you know I feel like that's a journey I'm on currently I think a lot of people are and you just have so much wisdom there around how the hell do you do that and I'm just talking about I guess even things like addiction with food like I definitely Mm -hmm. addicted to food you know like how and and for me there's something around yeah how do you get the discipline and this is we kind of I talk about this a lot with with clients and uh, when I'm talking about healing that there's this big element of reparenting yourself of like becoming your own parent you know that thing about responsibility mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to take responsibility of yourself rather than like looking to your mum or your dad or other people that represent those figures for mm-hmm. the for the answers to show you the way to to basically provide you with the discipline that you need to provide yourself. So yeah, I'd love to know like how did you create that shift from a total lack of discipline to being so disciplined? I think for me it really was one day at a time mm-hmm. where people struggle is they make healing and recovery and spirituality more complicated. The way that I see it, this is probably going to sound really judgmental, but the way that I see it, it's like a get out of jail <laughs> cause of effective use of effective language there. But the way that I see it is people make it more complicated than it needs mm. to be. And when we're really just dealing with the basics and the truth, you know, um, that's where you'll get the freedom and the peace. And I feel like that's what we're all looking for. You know, and I feel like me, it's like, I've always had this, this deep shame and 
self-obsession, mm-hmm. you know, always just thinking, poor me, and why, why, why is the world giving me such a bad turn and stuff? And um, in order to, to treat that mindset, just keep it simple. Do the basics and do the basics well. What are the basics that that you committed to? There was what I'm saying, right? Is there at some point in your journey there was like a shift to I'm going to do these things and I'm going to commit to these things every day going forward. Yeah, I went and lived in a Buddhist monastery for like a few months and like slept mm-hmm. on a slept on a marble floor and and. And in that experience, I really learned the nature of my suffering. And actually, not only that, it's that also I was responsible for my own happiness. Mm. And like I described earlier, I was always blaming someone else for my shortcomings and stuff. You know? mm-hmm. And then it's a combination of that. It's like you can't beat talking therapy, Dr. Rathika. You just can't beat it talking <laughs> therapy. You know, and I, I, I felt like for me, in order for me to combat my addiction which no longer was the drug it was me yes you know it was something in me is i need to just talk it over and it took it took me a couple of years i like to use the term thaw out you know and and like i said it was very unsure of myself to begin with and you know when i changed everything i changed my playmates my playgrounds i surrounded myself with people in recovery and i still do now today so a lot of my friends and stuff they all we all go through the 12 steps of narcotics anonymous and i still practice that also i have a massive spiritual life you know mm-hmm. where i get fulfillment from that so the minute i wake up in the morning i'm in prayer and from following that i do a period of meditation mm-hmm. i also have a massive altruistic mindset now today and what the altruistic mindset does is when I go and help another person is it stops making the world all about me. Yes. Because <laughs> me is where the fucking problem is. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? So when I go and help another, it gets me out of myself and gives me this beautiful, profound sense of freedom. One of the things that, like, you know, coming back to this discipline thing, what like so you get up and you do you go into meditation what how do you like what do you do when you're you're like I can't be bothered you know I just want to watch Netflix or something or I just I don't want to do it because this is the this is the reality of like what people are what people face right it's like they know you know that like meditating clearly is good for you on so many levels we know mm-hmm. that like doing somatic bre- breathing exercises or whatever it is yoga like it's all so good mm-hmm. for you but the thing that people mm-hmm. really struggle with and this and I love what you said about like you know healing can be so simple we don't need to overcomplicate it but the simplicity of it is being able to sit with yourself being able to notice the beauty of what's around you is it's those things it's 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 reconnection with yourself and this is mm-hmm. the other this is the other issue with like you know trauma emotional wounds you become the key thing around it is that you experience disconnection you experience mm-hmm. disconnection and so you become addicted or you mm-hmm. do things that are harmful to yourself because or to others because you're disconnected with yourself and healing is about reconnection but when we're trying to reconnect by sitting with ourselves or meditating or whatever it is it can feel so hard mm-hmm. so yeah i'd just love to know like if you have any guidance or tips around that so you said a couple of different points there. So firstly, that tendency to, to not want to meditate when you wake up in the morning. I have the same conversation with myself every morning. Before mm-hmm. I get out of bed, it, the, the little voice comes into my head and it says, well, let's not bother today. 
let's not bother today. Let's have a day off. Let's look at Facebook on the phone or whatever. Mm. And just let's send a few texts to someone. Let's text Dr. Rathika just to say good morning. <laughs> but like, like it, just, it just wants any way for me not to meditate. So, so, and like quite often I'll teach that when I'm teaching groups of meditation, medicants, you know, like, like, like the, the practice and the discipline and, and, and you have to attend to yourself with a certain degree of gentleness and, and, and understand mm-hmm. that that voice isn't a helpful voice in your head. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. It's not support for my growth. And the big thing for me is, and this is where, where friends like you and, 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 and is make mistakes. Go and have that morning and not meditate and see how different your day is. And, yes. and make it like a little mental health score, like like on a scale of naught to telling your boss to fuck off, how you know, like 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 <laughs> how irritable have you been during that day? How how mm. many healthy choices? And I think the thing is for me from practicing meditation in the morning, I have a tendency to be less reactive to life and more responsive. Yes. Yeah? So A understand that that thought is human and it's natural. But it's also insidious as well. And it's just, just do it anyway. <laughs> just mm, do it anyway. Yeah, it That's is the it. discipline of do it anyway. Do it. And it is, it's just do it anyway. And it's, again, you can't wrestle with it. Because as soon as I have a conversation with it, I'm not only texting you, I'm texting that many other different people. And then suddenly I'm swiping left and right on Tinder. I've never been on Tinder in my life, just for the record. <laughs> you know, but it's that sort of like, like that's how it grows and manifests if we don't attend to ourselves in the morning. So for me, it's, it's like forgive yourself if you don't as well. Forgive yourself yes. if you don't. Understand that the practice is there and it will support you and it, and it will love you. Clearly, over the last eight years, you would have had these strong urges to go and take some drugs or drink or whatever it is. Like, what have, what has been the key, what have been the key kind of things that have shifted you to a space of, no, I'm not going to break this pact to myself? Firstly, I've never had a strong urge or an impulse in those eight years. Okay. You know, like my brother, my brother's an ex-smoker and he can't be, be around mm-hmm. ex-smokers, you know, like when he's, oh God, the smell of it. And oh, can you believe then? You know what I mean? I feel like it's a bit, it's a bit rich, isn't it? And I like, and I'll have a lot of my friends will still smoke and I'll be very comfortable around it. And like I work, for instance, I work three days a week with homelessness around Cheshire East and I walk into a room with people using intravenously or smoking mm. from different Foils and you know like 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 so and drinking lots you know like drinking obviously is, is everywhere mm. in the UK and so firstly I've never had the strong impulse. Oh, that's interesting. And, mm. and the reason for that is is because I'm incredibly I work hard on myself. You know, like if you a friend of mine and I've had friends for the whole of my journey in recovery, and and they'll testify just how much I work my program my unique practice that works for me and 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 the big part of that is personal inventory or self-reflection at the end of the day Mm. a big part of me is in order to to, to, for me to to stop that struggle with my addiction which the 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 using of drug is is the 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 end product of my addiction you know there's 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 long before i pick up that drug and part of it is is what's my relationships like at home I can quite often tell what what I'm like in myself with how good my relationships are with my partner or my daughter mm. or my friends or my family. You know, like like it, it it it's always looking again and checking on the inside. And sometimes looking at those relationships, I can see how well I'm getting on with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, how well am I managing my mood at the minute? You know, like I'm have I been through a period of darkness or depression that I'm, I'm is there any areas of my life which are unresolved you know have I got conflicts going on in the background that may be triggering and may lead to a, 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 a difficulty and some, some emotional distress and stuff like that so I'm always mm-hmm. quite not hyper vigilant I'm not walking around on eggshells and stuff like that yeah but, but you're self-reflective I- like you know you you're you're just assessing 
keeping that eye out on like, you know, what's, what's working well and what isn't going so well. Yeah. I remember being in Thailand at the very start of my recovery journey and, and I gave up crisps because I realized that like, fuck, like, like, cause in Thailand, when you go to the shop, the only food that you guaranteed to like, like know exactly what you were going to get was crisps or like even the cookies and stuff, you'd, you'd, you'd be <laughs> like maybe different flavors. And I realized I'm just, I, I just eat the multi-pack every time. So for me, I just did that. I'm powerless. I can't use one crisp. And for years and years and years, and pretty much still to this day, I'm, I've still got a little bit of a uh, insecurity around it, a little bit of neurosis. But my impetus would be like, oh, God, if I start using crisps, yes. that's going to lead to bad stuff. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, t- I so, totally relate to because yeah. it's it's like you're kind of saying that it's like, you know, you've built this, um, you've built these disciplined rules or however you want to describe it around things. And then it, it's it's like if you give in to one of them, Mm. it could lead to giving into it all. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's the compulsion thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I remember about. a few years ago, I went through a really horrible relationship breakup. It was very painful. It went on, you know, like one of those relationships that it just it never ended. We just mm. were always backwards and forwards to like for a year. I remember just being in that much pain in the shower. And... um and cry, you know, like snot coming out of the nose, crying and stuff. I laugh now, reflecting back at it, you know, like. <laughs> but the thought then come in, I needed to use, and it needed to be a specific substance as well. Mm. And then I realised, fuck, it's had me with my pants down again. You know, I could separate from it. I realised this is why I don't put myself into these positions with particular people. And I'm mm-hmm. cautious with who I'm friends with and the the healthy choices that I make in relationships as well. Mm. So there's so many, like, it's discipline on so many different... It's, discipline sounds like a harsh word, doesn't it? But, it? but it's that self-regulation, isn't it? Maybe that's the way to describe it, like that self-regulation mm-hmm. around so around all aspects of your life. So, you know, the you're, like you're saying... In sh- you know, being in a space of, of really kind of filtering who do I want in my life that is going to serve me in a positive way and who is, who is going to, you know, n- not be helpful in terms of how I'm feeling about myself, for example. And humility as well. It's like one of the questions I'll quite, have you been willing to be humble? Have you willing to, been willing to be vulnerable recently? You know, I try and avoid like too much. This is why I don't, it's only because it's you that I've done this podcast. And like for me, for instance, I don't walk around letting people know that I'm a recovering drug addict. Mm-hmm. Firstly, because it's not me anymore. I'm not yes. that person. Right. And also, it's like, you know, like, like, have you ever walked around? Like, when I give up smoking and stuff, I tried to give up smoking for years. I used to teach meditation classes as well. And like, go and smoke on the break and stuff and feel mm. like really quite ashamed. And like people, mm. some people would even comment as well as, wow, you smoke, you're a meditation teacher, you smoke. And it was like, and I spent a few years similarly, you know, through that pain of contemplation before I put mm. into action what I need to do, you know, and, and. Yeah, that's like interesting as well, isn't it? There's, that you do like contemplation around this and being stuck in that space of like contemplation you know it can go on for a while can't it but I love what you're saying around it because the way that you're talking about it gives hope that like you can go through like a long period of contemplation and still create the shift you can still Mm -hmm. create a powerful change and I think where a lot of people can get stuck is I'm going to be stuck in this place of just thinking about me making the change and never, ever doing it. This is just me now set for life. I'm never going to, I'm never going to make the change. I'm always going to wake up and look at my phone or I'm always going to be in these toxic relationships or whatever it is. What's the famous um, quote, isn't it? Fall seven times, get up eight. 
you know, like, mm-hmm. and for me, that contemplation for some people, some people learn quick, some people are confident and they're incredibly self-aware and they know themselves really well. And I tend to find they're the sort of people that learn quick. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, like, like that, that, that important period for change and growth of, of feeling uncomfortable, go sit in it. People mm-hmm. want to just avoid the good stuff. And they get that with meditation all the time. We want the white light experience. Yes. We don't want to sit there with the ang- deep anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, and make friends with it. Go and curl up to it. What's its texture? What's its flavor? What does it smell like? How does it make you feel? What, what Does it change the rhythm of your breath? Does it change the taste in the back of your throat? Does it does it create a certain stimulus in your nervous system? You know, that mm. physiological response and stuff like that. And the period of contemplation for some people can last two weeks or it can last two years, you know, and, and heartbreak is, well, like going through a relationship breakup, the addictive nature of a relationship breakup is exactly the same feelings that arise that happens when you give up drugs. Mm. That, that, that you look back and you thought, oh, I remember the good days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we completely forget the absolute abject misery that mm. we've just been through. How insidious yes. is that yeah. that the mind yeah. plays tricks on you? Yeah, you know, and it's the same as what happens with drugs. For some reason, there's just a complete blind spot where you think it's going to be different this time. Mm. You know, and the addictive nature of that is just, and it's the same with smoking. I'll, I'll, I'll walk around all day, and I'll, I'll, like, I've been through it a few times. <laughs> you know, like, I walk around all day, and it's like I'm telling my friends I'm never going to get back with her again, and she's the absolute. And then in the evening, I'm ringing and calling her, telling her how much <laughs> like infatuated we are with each other you know like and it's like the point is it's you can't wrestle with it yeah you can't wrestle with it and the more that you wrestle with it it's like a monkey grip or like a finger trap and the, mm. the, the, the thing is with addiction what people need to really really focus on is and shift their attention to is the more you struggle the tighter it gets mm. The more you struggle, the tighter it gets. You get and that, more and more constricted, as opposed to that ex, ex, that feeling of like expansion. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If there is anybody like struggling out there with addiction, especially around drugs, what is what is the first step to recovery? What do, what would you suggest? from your experience, from your wisdom and experience? So for me, I, I beside like um, my yoga and meditation, I still work the 12-step program and it's something that I will continually work for the rest of my life. And a big part of what we do is, is, is under, the first thing is, is, is that learn what you suffer with. Mm. Learn the nature of your addiction and gap. Cast iron guaranteed whether it's a tech addiction, whether it's, you know, like like food addiction, sex addiction, porn addiction, so many friends of mine. Like I'll, yeah. I'll let you know. It's like firstly, understand what you're suffering with. Like one of my friends, he's a he's a Catholic monk and he's one of the most beautiful, spiritual, open minded to all sorts of different religions. He's he's, he's incredibly spiritual. And he, he he's a, a Spanish guy and, and he he um has a sex addiction and as a Catholic and he's celibate, which is interesting. He says, he says, Will, he's a, he's a, a Spanish man, but maybe I won't do that. But I'll give it a go. He says, Will, he says, the thing is, is when I was, I was in addiction for sex, I used to walk all day around all day speaking about sex. He says, now I'm in recovery. I still walk around all day and speak about sex. <laughs> you know, and I found that really inspiring, you know, and you, you, it's, it, you're only ever as good as, as what you work on that day. But before you do anything, come to understand the nature of what it is that you suffer with and cast iron, whether it's, and the Buddhist, the Buddhist belief system within this is incredible. You know, like, like the, 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 the yeah. cause of brain and desire and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. like, 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 like the impetus is, is learning your nature. Mm. In order to get to that point, though, do you feel that you have to go through a period of just getting clean before you even ask yourself those questions? Or do you feel that you need to ask yourself those questions in order to get clean? Do you see what I'm saying? Or do you just have to go and 
like you did, right? Go to another country, go to a monastery and like just clear it out of your system before even tackling like the stuff around your suffering that leads you to take drugs. Do you, do you know what I mean? Well, before you can do any change, you've got to stop putting the first one inside you. Mm-hmm. Because you can't work on that. There's no point doing any work while you're still clouded by the drug. Yes, yeah, that, I guess that's the... But yeah. pain's such a good motivator for change. You don't realise mm. how many much good stuff comes from pain. Yes. And the point is, is, is stop the fight. Mm. And I think for me, if I remember rightly, is I always had a great idea. And it wasn't until I, I turned around and I answered myself, well, why do you use drugs? And the only honest answer I had in the end was, I don't know. Mm. And that was probably the first time I sold a trick. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and what a relief to, to not know all the answers. Yes, yeah. You know? It's like what you said, bringing it back to like, you know, the simplicity of it. The simplicity of this doesn't feel good. I need to do something about it. You know, yeah. rather than necessarily having that that kind of in-depth answer around it. And all that, that ego-centric bullshit of like, you know, like manning up and mm. not, not showing weakness and, and weakness is failure and all the things that we get told every day in society it's like mm-hmm. show someone a week they'll take advantage of you and stuff like that yeah and that keeps a lot of people trapped in, in searching for help yes oh thank you so much will for being on this podcast like yeah there's just i felt like i was just listening <laughs> listening the whole time to everything that you offered and to also offer like a different perspective from from my perspective, you know, and, and yeah, it's just really helpful getting your views on it. And I honestly, like, have so much respect for you for sharing your story, but also, you know, for the, like, that bit around the discipline and that, that care that you show yourself every day is, it's amazing. And to be also helping people who are struggling with addiction, having been come from that place yourself is, yeah, there's just so much power to what you were saying and you're a very inspirational person. So I feel very blessed to have you in my life. Thank you. And you're the only podcast that I'm ever going to do. I've, I've promised myself <laughs> I'm going to do one time, one, one time only, one time podcast. That's it. Because I'm... Um, um, the most important thing for me is that I know. Yes. You know, and it's lovely to inspire people, and I'll go and help people that I bump into in the street. But for me, it's you can't buy that that ready black the ready black glow. You know that that, that yes. comes from knowing yourself. I'm sure that it will impact on so many people. So thank you, thank you so much, Will, for being here. So much love. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you found it of value, please share it. Please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we will see you next time for another amazing episode. Sending you all so much love.